So, yeah. So, okay. We got her getting scared now. We find a scene. And I, and I might be jumping way too far ahead. But I'm going to the point where, at this point, we have uh, Famke uh, Jansen, who is now uh, being electrocuted because this is more Scooby doing happens. They don't know how to sit in a room and just fucking stay together. And it's always, no. they hear something and one person is always the one that leaves. It's not like multiple people like, Oh my God, let's stick together. It's like, I'm going to go investigate this by myself. Well, they previously established that she was going to, well, we got to, I want to discover one thing. You mentioned the party favors. They had the scene where, Oh yes. And the guns actually loaded like, you know, and then, you know, she even looks at him. She, fuck Steven. Like you didn't even do it the last time, you know, that, yeah. that you did this <clears> thing <throat> with the guns. They, you know, and he kind of gets to look like I didn't plan for him to be loaded either. I don't know why this is like that. Um, <clears throat> but then they, they have the thing where she goes up and she agrees to stay in her room oh, and yeah. then she, and then, then she disappears from the room. And the next thing you see her is downstairs in the, Oh, she's laying on the, the lobotomy table or, yes. or not, well, the, the electric, you know, uh, uh, shock know, therapy, electroshock uh, therapy. Shock therapy, yeah. Which the reason and, it's uh, funny because he, like, he, it's like he knew she was going to end up there because this is Stephen Price we're talking about who mm-hmm. sees, he sees his scooped faced producer, looks in the camera, sees Dr. Vanicut, looks to his wife's room where she's peacefully sleeping and he just knows yes. something's bad's going to happen to his wife. Mm-hmm. To where, and this and is where they end up in the electroshock therapy room. And they also established at this point, uh, as they were walking through there, because I think the Doom Prophet brings it up, they mentioned the fact that um, there's this room that the doctor, where they did reverse uh, psychiatry, if you if you will. It's like they locked them in this room, sensory deprivation, fed them a bunch of horrific imagery, and if you were really messed it was supposed to scare you straight somehow, mm-hmm. but then they kind of hint that if you know that it made people worse, and what would it do to people if they were locked in there without any mental abilities? Because that's what feeds into the scene right after this. But you know, they they do set that up at least you know uh, prior in the film. Yes, so we get more Scooby doing, and we have the entire gang this time, uh, <laughs> minus Doctor Vanicut. I don't think he was there. Where they find her getting shocked. Um. It, well, you're t- are you you're talking about the other doctor, right? Not Vanica. Not Vanica. Uh, oh yes, the the uh, I'm a doctor. David. Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> um, the horrible psychiatrist. He's not the one that well finds it. It's the whole gang, right? Because they they have electricity kind of buzzing through the house, and they're like, "Oh no, electroshock therapy! How the fuck did you know?" <laughs> They they find her and they can't do anything about it. They he runs in there and, and or somebody there. I think Price is saying shut it off. And they oh can't yes, out how to do it? Price is there. Okay. And they eventually shut it off, and then the doctor comes in there just long enough to pronounce her dead. Like yes. that's literally all he's there for. Yes, yes, yes. That's uh, all he's really good for. Um, and then I kind of, <clears throat> I kind of lost track of what happened after this because I don't want to jump too far ahead because. The doctor and the doctor end up in a separate room. But there, I feel like there's something in between I'm missing before that happening. Because I know they start so, separating again. So right after that, they leave. I can't, and I don't remember at this point why uh, Stephen is separated. I think he's like going to look for for something. And I can't remember the reason why. He separates for the rest of the group. The doctor, the psychiatrist, uh, follows him pushes him into the room where the, you know, the deprivation chamber's at, locks the door, and then, like, you know, shuts it, sit yes. up, and then, like, activates it. And wait, 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 wait. I know what happens. Level. I know what happens, because that's not what happened. Um, the doctor loses his shit. Doctor, excuse me. 
uh, not, not doctor, Stephen Price. I, I don't know why I'm saying okay. the doctor and the doctor. Stephen Price loses his shit and Tay Diggs starts punching the fuck out of him. They knock him out. They're like, what are we going to do with him? Okay, there you then go. Then they yeah. get him in the sensory deprivation tank, if you will. Jug, I don't know. <laughs> uh, silo. <laughs> and the doctor decides he's going to stay with him alone, which was very suspicious immediately because yeah. there is some shit going on. No, yeah, well, he uh, maybe maybe it. he feels comfortable because he thinks that he's behind what's going on. Well, he he tries to play it off as if he's there because he's the psychiatrist. Yeah, he's going to take care of Stevens, like delusion, whatever you know, like his you know mania that he's currently going through. But then you know, of course, we get the scene later, you know, which is one of the standout parts of the film to me, where he you know brings Bamka Jansen's character back to life. Cause he, you know, he, he like used atropine or something like that to cause her to look like she was, you know, didn't have a pulse. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> he, you know, he gives her the antidote to that and brings her back out of it. But Which, where did he stick that antidote? Looked like he stuck it in her vagina. <laughs> he probably did because he was getting very close down there. Looked like, and that's the, that's, that's something that needs to be brought up. Like he's almost like while she's knocked out, he almost uh, is like doing necrophilia. I was just going like, to say necrophilia. Yeah. He was very much I mean, enjoying her still body. Yeah. Like he was enjoying the fact that she could not do anything about it. I mean, setting up the fact that the character is completely like morally responsible. Like, I mean, even though she's a terrible person, like <clears throat> that was clearly not her consent. I mean, at the time she was, you know, knocked out and, you know, and, and he's just sitting there and he's kissing all of her body. And then he does, you know, the, like you said, it looks like he injects her down there of all places. But, um, but then he brings her back. And of course, uh, you know, this is, and Steven's locked up and he's having all these weird, like, you know, visions now seeing Vanna cut inside the, the cell with him. Yeah. Which and, was, um, pretty cool visuals. They were cool visuals. And also that was on a previous idea. <clears> the guy <throat> who made the movie had when he was doing the, Tales from the Crypt, so he just recycled. Well, he, he didn't use the idea in Tales from the Crypt, but he just, like, you know, since he didn't use it there, he kind of moved it in this movie, but it worked for that scene, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, but the the interesting thing about the scene where the Doctor brings her back to life that I like, it reveals the twist of the movie that, you know, he's been working with her, but she turns around and betrays him at that point. Oh yes, she like, does. Shows that she's completely bloodthirsty and she does not give a fuck who dies, you know. So that that establishes her, you know, persona a little bit more in that scene. Yes, and at this point, she's trying to frame her husband for killing Doctor Doctor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> give me the next. <laughs> <laughs> and and so that way she can kind of make it look more realistic of what's going on. She, her, she hasn't even made her debut yet. She's trying to figure out a way that she's going to kind of come back to life, technically. Yeah, because they all thought she was dead. So she was trying to, you know, she's trying to figure out a way to pin it on um, Stephen. And, you know, simplest solution is the best. And she does it that way. She literally just covers herself in the blood and acts like she you know she came to and found steven or i mean found dr doctor and like you know when he was covered in blood and steven was the one that obviously killed him or well but she she well i forget she also there's one other thing she covers steven in his blood yes she does because she she goes to that bat finds steven completely out of it because now his brain's addled and whenever she and then she lays him down and she just covers him in that blood or yes because we know that like we, we she's the one who gets him out of the tank um, yeah. just so, you know, we're kind of clear on what is happening, 
Uh, all of this while more Scooby Dooing is still happening. <laughs> Because they're still trying to find the way out. Like the entire movie, that's all they're doing. Things are ramping up. People are dying. And they've got to find a way out of this place now. So. Yes. And can I just cut back to not one person gives a shit about the Halloween Horror Nights display that you mentioned. Nope. Like nope. nobody questions it. Is this fake? Is this real? Was this part of the asylum? None of these things look human and or realistic in terms of animals. Um, and they're not even really frightened by it. They're kind of just more like, ill. And then they move on. Like no one. Yeah. Chris Catan is the only one that gives it any lip service. And he's literally <clears throat> just, he gives it like, ugh. Yeah. You know, he just kind of gives like a shiver and like walks past it. That's it. Yeah. Well, I remember this from when back and when Grandpappy used to yeah, run this place. And, what it was. I mean, just like he said of the glass ceiling, which by the way, that glass ceiling was pretty cool. It looks like a bunch of crazy people screaming at you, which is a scene mm-hmm. in the beginning of the film um, yeah, where you kind of see people screaming at the top and everything. And the doctor's just not giving a shit. Like, you don't care that your patients are up there like fucking going ass wild. Okay. Go off. Um, <laughs> But that, that was a cool glass, uh, whatever, however they built that or whatever, however they did that. It looked really cool. But he did throw in, it used to scare me, but it doesn't anymore. Like, what? What? A, huh? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't understand his character. I know what he was there for, but kill him or get him out of here. <laughs> True. Yeah. We're sick of this shit. Uh, scooby Doing is going on. Um, we get Ellie Larder. And again... Cut me off if I am if I am getting out of, you know, just any out of timeline here. But she goes off. She's mad. She's I forget what she's mad about, but she comes across. She's got a gun and she comes across Vincent Price Jr. Mm-hmm. They he is frazzled from shit and he's asking for help. He's like reaching out and asking for help and she unloads on him. Yes. She oh, she thinks like, she hears someone crying for help. She's like, "Keep crying. I'll come to you." And she's hearing a woman's voice. I can't tell yeah, if think, it was a sexting bitch face or if it was Famke. 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 I, th- I think that she was looking for sexting bitch face at okay. the point of uh, Regie Wilson. I think they were still looking for her because I still couldn't find her. She thought that she heard her down there and 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 was uh, frazzled from all the stuff that was going on at the time while she was doing that. And I'm going to be honest with you, this is the point in the movie where I always just kind of tune out for a few minutes because it's a lot of just, you know, meandering through, yes. you know, basement. That's that's literally all it is for like, you know, and, maybe even 10 minutes or something. And but, can you remind me, was it um, was it uh, Stephen Price that had found sexting bitch face, found her kind of like on display, her body? He is the one that finds her right after he turns around uh you know, after he's thrown Famke <clears throat> Jansen through the, you know, the door, she's kind of, you know, uh, you know, he, I, I think he's like on the, you know, she's been absorbed by the darkness and he turns to the side and then he's like shocked because he sees, you know, okay, uh, Brigitte Wilson's like, like just on display in one of the display cabinets that they've never looked at as they've been passing yes. through this section the entire time. So that was after the scene that I'm mentioning where she sees Stephen Price. He's asking for help. She unloads bullets on him. She runs past him to, oh, no, 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 no. The guys come. They find her, had shot him. They're like, fuck Stephen Price. Let's go. And then Tay Diggs does the the whole, which is kind of now, I mean, funny, you know, given the, you know, the Me Too and, you know, the feminist movement and all that. But he's doing like, 
calm down, baby girl. It's yes. fine. It's fine, baby girl. Like he does that whole scene. Yeah. Like, try, you know, and he says those words to her and I'm just laughing. I'm like, that's not aged well. Yeah. You can't do that now, but they, they walk away from him. We see, um, hot, hot mama, Famke come through revelating that she doesn't she never loved her husband she's only loved his money um she monologues with the best of them in this scene she tells him every just like a scooby-doo villain she tells him every single thing that she planned on doing you know yes uh to and to everyone's horror and surprise big shocker everyone he's actually alive because he is stephen fucking price and if I anyone knows, yes, <laughs> and if that. anybody knows how to do theatrics, it is him who has, uh, I, now I couldn't tell if he had like a fake chest on that gave the illusion of being shot or if he just had a protective vest on that prevented he him from. He had a protective vest, but he had built <clears throat> squibs into it to where okay. actually blood came out of him. Okay. So. So yes, yes, yes. So he he did a good job. He is choking the fuck out of his wife. This is now the scene where Reverend had mentioned where he does throw her into the darkness room. To his credit, he did try to save her because he, he saw the darkness coming. And he's like, "Uh, you need to get up right fucking now." Um, unfortunately, they are, oh, go ahead. they are the perfect example of like you know. Uh, codependency I oh yeah like once she gets in that room he realizes he's like i can't live without you and like even though i just tried to kill you well they're fucking perfect for each other. i'm telling you that is how they both get off by trying I, to murder I each really other i honestly think they the, i mean the way that this movie you know hints at they throw these parties on the regs just so that they can have i mean it's like a weird like foreplay yes the two of them they try to get somebody at the party to kill the other person. And then whenever it's like, it's all theatrical when it's done, they just have wild, crazy. Yeah. That <laughs> and then she goes and spends his money. Yeah. And he has <laughs> lots of it. Ladies. Good. He has lots of it. He's very good at what he does. Okay. Yes. Both in really and out is. of bed and on screen and off screen. Okay. <laughs> um, so he tries to save her. He is very unsuccessful. The graphics get very horrible. At that, this that's point. the one thing I wanted to bring up. I'm glad you did. Every one of these movies that came out in 99, it was like the worst CGI time period in history. <laughs> I want to say that The Mummy came out, came out around this time, too. And if you go back and you watch any of the CGI in any of these movies, it's dog shit awful. Like, just yeah. terrible CGI. I don't even think it was that good then because I remember watching this and the, the you know, uh, the house on, uh, well, let's see, the haunting of Hill House, and I hated the CGI in both of them. Although I do think the haunting of Hill House has worst, uh, worse CGI than this one, but only by a fraction. Yeah, um, I have completely at this point when I saw this, it was like watching it for the first time all over again. So I can only think that back then one of two things was going on. Either I forgot about it because I don't have a great memory, or I was actually scared. And covered my eyes because the jump scares are decent in this film. Um, they're they're well done, yeah. Yeah, they they get you, and they're not necessarily scary once you survive through it. But sometimes I have been known to completely cover my eyes, and you know, and I'll miss things. So, but I can't think of any reason why I would miss this entire scene because it goes on for quite a while, where it shows her kind of disintegrating into the darkness. Um, how her face is changing. And you can definitely tell when it switches from Famke Jansen to, uh, to CGI Famke Jansen is so bad. It's yeah. Like, yeah. So it's, it's terrible. Um, 
the doctor. I mean, it's the equivalent of back in the eighties, whenever they used to do those mannequins for people, whenever they would throw, when you yeah. were thrown off of a building and you could tell it was a mannequin. Oh yeah. It was Flailing arms. And flopping. That's and, you know, <laughs> the CGI equivalent of that. Um, uh, Stephen Price, uh, realizes he needs to GTFO. Uh, he sees the, uh, disembodied, if you will, <laughs> body of, uh, a, rest, a sexting bitch face, uh, which is, <laughs> it was very, okay. There, it was a, an episode of Tales from the Crypt. You may or may not recall. And, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, there was, it was a woman that was to be a model. And she was going for this modeling gig. And what it ended up being, spoiler alert, jumping very fast through this, uh, she was supposed to be a model for one of those real body exhibits. And she was supposed to be a fresh body. But they had her makeup done. They had her her skin pulled open on her abdomen so you could see her insides. They had her posed very beautifully. Um, And it was just a nice, fresh body, if you will. And they did this everywhere they went. So this was a Tales from the Crypt, or yeah, Tales from the Crypt episode. And so this was kind of the same thing. It was just her gorgeous face and parts of her body just on display, set up in this like display case. And given the director's previous history, as we discussed, that's probably a, you know, there's a probably a reason, direct reason for that being Tales from the Crypt kind of a knockoff. It's funny you say that because one scene I can remember from Tales from the Crypt, the original TV show uh, run, was that um, there was an episode it had John Lovitz in it and he was trying to be this thespian type Shakespearean actor. And like, nobody would cast him because he looks like John Lovitz. Yes. You know, he was kind of dumpy looking and they're like, you don't look like a leading man. And he's like, and he was, you know, and he, but he was really skilled. He did. And eventually they did accept him for the job, but the twist of it is very similar to what you're talking about. They eventually agreed that he, he looked apart. And what they meant by that was he was to play Horatio, meaning they literally killed the man, took his skull, and they realized that his cheekbones were high enough to be able to play the skull that was held by Hamlet. Oh, as, my you know, God. Like I lines. remember that. <laughs> That's fucked up. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, it was uh, tastefully done. It looked decent enough, although her... Insides definitely looked fake. They looked plastic, but yeah, her they, face the, the and face was the best part. Yes, yeah. for sure. Um, they 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 captured sexting bitch face as if they really had just cut it off. So, and and I I don't know. I didn't research this, but they could have easily have done is literally just had that like as a build in and like had her stand on the other side and just put her face. Yeah. Through it. That's and what that I'm thinking. Just as well. That's how decent yeah. it looked. So, uh, bravo to that. Um, now we are Scooby doing away from an actual spirit, unless for some reason we're going to pull off a mask and find out it was uh, Fom K the whole time. <laughs> um, and she would have gotten away with it if it weren't for those crazy meddling kids, you know? And I- and I got to say, uh, given uh, I'm going to give credit to the script, you know, we always talk about how you, you've got to set things. If you want a really good movie, you got to set things up in the beginning of the movie and then have them pay off toward the end. Chris Kattan served one purpose in this movie. And he, as he's going through, he mentions, he's like, when they're going by the sealed room, he's like, he mentions the, the darkness is there. And he says, when the darkness breaks loose, all hell breaks loose. Yes, but so the darkness, the funny thing about it is like when the darkness breaks loose, what causes it to break loose? Did it need her body? That's the only thing I could think of because that wall was already open. 
like we said, they didn't really establish the rules on that. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, we we <laughs> we can only infer at this point, people. I, I I do think that you're right. I think her body, like her soul, being it, like energized the spirits, like it them crazy or something. Yeah. Like having a spirit like in the mix at that point. And her being already uh, a were, bad seed, I mean, just helped sprout that you know evilness. Right. And then they're supposed to be the souls of the damned that were burned up in the original asylum. So, I mean, that's kind of the hint of what, I mean, they're just psychotic rage of like, you know, uh, negative energy. So like she gave them, maybe that's the, I mean, her headcanon version for this. We'll just say that she, they were crazy, just like swirling, like, you know, chaos. And she gave them a purpose. Once she got absorbed, she had enough sanity to be able to target the rest of the people. Yeah, so um, they're going around. Now they're really trying to escape. They know that there's something happening. Um, We have (laughs) Stephen Price, who is running around now, like warning them. to the door that's been locked behind them because they've locked us. Uh, uh, they they've they've completely locked that basement up at this point, trying yes. to get out of there because they've just established that the basement is just full of bad stuff. There's no point in being down there. The locking mechanism for the doors is not down there. They can't find her, so they've just locked it up. And that's where the beating at the door. So they're like, you know, they've seen him die and her die. They didn't see her come back. Yeah. So I mean, they they're like don't open that. Yeah. And of course the doom prophet of all people is the one that goes, opens it. And it's just in enough time where Steven can like duck off to the side real quick. And like the, the spirit creature, like completely, you know, with a one track mind goes straight forward and takes out, you know, the doom prophet and takes him, you know, out of, well, not completely out of the movie, but takes him the, the, you know, meantime. Yes. And we didn't mention, but Steven price manages to find, the mechanism to get the doors to open for just yes. a small amount. Of, and he knows by, even though he's never dealt with this a day in his life, he didn't even know it existed. Um, he knows that if they don't get out like fucking now, they only have a small amount of time. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know, maybe because he knows that there's a spirit going around. Look, like he knows he's turned his wife into the ultimate evil. She was already <laughs> evil. But now she's, she's already there. She, now she has no bodily form to keep her, you know, to yeah. choke her anymore. So he has no control <laughs> over the situation at all. So uh, they all rush to he gets them to rush over to the attic. Now, at this point, we're talking about the last of the survivors. Um, Stephen Price. Trivia first. Go ahead. Uh, it's, the Doom Prophet was not supposed to an original script did not die in this scene that I just described. Uh, it was originally Stephen that died, and the Doom Prophet was the one that you know <clears throat> narrowly escaped. But then uh, during filming, they, they they changed it around. I guess I, maybe they got Chris Kattan. I don't know. I blame them really, but I mean, you know, it was. Uh, but the Doom Prophet was the one who was supposed to have been the one who finds the mechanism, which might have made more sense honestly in the long run because he was the one that had the most familiarity yeah. with the house. The fact that he didn't know, I don't know. I guess he said he stopped. I think he said, mentioned at some point in the beginning of the film that they had stopped looking. Maybe they just didn't want to deal with the house anymore and it's bullshit. I don't blame him. He seemed thoroughly fearful of the house. So, you know, whatever. Um, I don't remember in which order because we lose Stephen Price and we lose Doom Prophet. So what happens, the Doom Prophet gets killed whenever he opens the door and saves Steven by accident. And then they they narrowly escape. They're running around. They they 
Steven finds the room with the, the, the cog mechanism, he literally does the only thing that anybody, you know, any, any guy does when they don't know how to destroy shit, he just beats it with, with something that yes. looks like a stick until it stops working. <laughs> and, or starts working in this case. Well, or yeah, or starts working. It, <clears throat> it actually, you know, uh, gets the mechanism going. And then whenever they eventually, uh, they, they find uh, that there's area of the house that's been opened up and it's a window like i don't remember how they fix out but it's like you know after he destroys it it's like one area real close by it opens up and it's that one window and whenever they go toward it uh as steven is like holding like i think he's holding like the uh the the way out he tells them to go on that's when he gets absorbed by the darkness and then it goes back shut again and they're just it's Allie Larder and, and, and Tay Diggs are just uselessly beating at the window to get out at this point. Well, she made it out. Was, he, I thought he shoved her out. Wait a minute. Yeah, she gets out. He's sitting there. He's stuck on the other side. Looks like he's going to have the fate of all black guys in horror movies. And that's whenever Chris Kattan's Doom Prophet reappears <laughs> out of the mix. Oh, my and he, God. And somehow he, you know, he pulled down the, the, the one little last bit of the, the window and, uh, you know, and then, or, or pulls down the, the cord that allows the window to come back open long enough for Tay Diggs to roll out. And then, you know, and then the whole thing, you know, they, they get shut inside the ghost through at that point. Yes. And in true Frighteners, this is one of the ways that Frighteners pops through is the way his face comes through the black darkness or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, Tay Diggs makes sure to remind everybody that he probably shouldn't have been there in the first place or sh- at least shouldn't have been being sought after because he was adopted. He was adopted. And which goes back to Ellie Larder's story, which it was necessary to be told that she's not even the person. She was just using someone's identity. Yeah. So at the end of the movie, they basically give you the, tell you that the only two people that escaped were the only two that were not meant to be consumed by the house to begin with. So, you know, which I mean, that's not necessarily why they lived. I mean, I feel like if they had stayed in the house, they would have been consumed. They they would have, but I mean, it's like the the one little extra little thing they have in their favor. It's like you know, there's. It seems like they're like when you when you get horror movies, there's there's always a little bit of tradition where the person who's not meant to die kind of you know at least makes it most through the movie, and like they had a reason not to for the longest times. So, yeah. Um, but I don't like how it ended because like whenever they show like where they're at on the top of that building, they're basically doomed to die of a slow death of starvation and thirst anyway. Exposure. They don't have cell phones. <laughs> uh, they're yeah, exposure. They're they they do not have cell phones at this point in time. Like it's not been established and either one of them has one if they do have like the old Nokia versions. <clears> and um they're just there and they're like, you know, we survived it. We're outside now. Um and there's no reason that anybody, I mean, it's kind of hit in the movie that the caretakers would come back and look for them. Yes. But why were the caretakers automatically like, I mean, they're way far up. I mean, I guess if they screamed loud enough, they might be heard. But yeah. Like, that, that was a massive building too. So it was know. pretty cool. Um, I'm going to jump way ahead than I actually should and say that is the most memorable thing I loved the way the film this film end because it you think it's on a happy note but then you realize they are how the fuck because he says it how are we supposed to get down <laughs> and then it shows how high up they are and you're like you kind of have that hysterical laugh like they have because you're like <laughs> all that they survived now what the fuck are they supposed to do you know there's a funny thing about this ending it, it reminds me a lot of from dusk till dawn's ending uh, spoiler alerts for that movie, which we're definitely going to cover during the the vampire season. Yeah, but 
uh i love that ending too whenever you know you've got uh you know seth gecko you know you've got him like walking away with uh, uh <clears throat> Marin's like you know newark incarnation and then you've got uh, juliette lewis going off her own and then it pans to the back of the titty twister building and it shows that it's like this ancient like aztec temple yeah like extends way far deeper than just the entrance level so it hints that that whole place is loaded yeah with like you know more vampires and it's just like you know it it gave me that because it's got that same perspective too. yeah it's like it starts out and then it just zooms out and shows you how like what that they're really fucked in this movie you know house on haunted hill because they have no way out of so yeah um that's the one thing i specifically remember this is one of the reasons i liked the film so much Rewatching it i realized there's definitely some things that are not so favorable about it i still stand by my liking of the ending i to this day it was one of my most enjoyable endings of a film like this um that that doomed like you said kind of like you know fucking uh dust dust from dusk to dawn there we go I cannot. I'm going to throw something out there. If you ever get, when you do get a chance to watch X, because I know you're not the biggest Ty West fan after we did House of the Devil, but when you do get a chance to watch X, X has probably one of the best endings to a movie that I've seen recently. And it's it's similar. It's just got a punch to it. Like, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of a funny one, but it's, it's still, you know, a good one. But this ending 100% has been memorable for me. I never (laughs) forgot. The only thing is, for some reason, I did mistake the lady characters. I thought Thamke was the character that survives at the end and didn't remember Ellie Larder living. Uh, clearly, I have been reminded that I was incorrect (laughs) about that, but hey, whatever. I saw what I wanted to see in my mind. Now, do Um, we want to jump into trivia before we start reviewing? Well, we've covered my trivia. Um, I guess I'm going to throw some of the ones that I, we've not discussed yet. Um, this film and 13 Ghosts, the 2001 version, were Dark Castle Entertainment's first films uh, and a remake of the horror filmmaker William Castle's films House on Haunted Hill and 13 Ghosts. And the studio actually took its name from that. That's why it's called Dark Castle because William like that. Castle, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, at around one hour and two minutes, the face apparition uh, price encounters in the saturation chamber was originally designed and created by Dick Smith uh, <laughs> for the movie Ghost Story, uh, but it never appeared in the final cut of the earlier film. Uh, and Ghost Story is one that I've been meaning to watch, but it's like really hard to find. It's like this, it's kind of like you get these, like oh, like at the time they were really old, like Fred Astaire and some other like real like classic age actors that are sitting around telling like a, ghost stories to each other and like one actually happens to them in the middle of them telling it and so uh, apparently that faceless apparition uh was actually supposed to originally been in the you know that movie in in the 80s um co-producer terry castle is the daughter of william castle who uh, you know so they put a link there so uh you know the daughter of william castle helped actually bring this to life um nice. at around 12 minutes Go ahead. Oh, I just said noise. <laughs> noise. Uh, at around 12 minutes, the names William Malone, Gilbert Adler, and uh, Valdemar Timrak appear on Price Guest List before it's deleted. That's the ones you're talking about. Yes. That he popped up. Uh, William Malone and Gilbert Adler were, are respectively the director and producer of the of the film, um, uh, or at least, uh, you know, of you know, of, of, of different, you know, uh, related to it. And then Baltimore Timrak was a serial killer and evil spirit and tales from the crypt report from the grave, which was also directed by Malone. So pretty cool. Um, 
at nine minutes and 40 seconds when price says from here on <laughs> uh, from here on it gets really scary uh, the roller coaster like i said it the, the had uh, digitally inserted like that effect because there's no way in real life for him to stood there he would have died yeah the, you know the impact of the, it yeah it was really it seemed really close and i was like your head's gonna get lopped off <laughs> uh, the only character in both the original and the remake of the film is the owner of the house watson pritchett all the other characters are loosely based on characters from the original um jeffrey rush's character's name is uh, based upon vincent price which yes. you kind of talked about um when uh this is interesting when stephen price is talking to Schechter early in the film you can see a freddy krueger glove hanging in the background i think Schechter's is the guy who was his uh, assistant that was you know watching the tvs for him so oh, okay or, uh, so when he was talking to him at the you know they were once they had let the the two camera people onto the the ride themselves and he's you know when he gets a phone call from his wife apparently freddy krueger's glove is hanging in the background there um, <clears throat> Elizabeth Hurley was actually considered for the role that Famke Jansen took in this movie. And what? she, she, she was super hot at the time too. So that would have worked. I mean, <laughs> Maybe she's it aged pretty well and mm -hmm. she still has, okay. I was watching this horrible television series and I, I love <laughs> it. So you it means it's terrible, but it was called, uh, the Royals on E. Okay. And she played kind of the queen more of a consort more than anything but that's neither here nor there and she was a very seductive queen um yes she she still got it let's just leave it at that <laughs> uh cindy crawford was actually considered for the role of melissa margaret Marr. so her, i mean that's was that sexting bitch face uh, i believe it was yeah okay I believe that was um not gonna cindy know. crawford gorgeous 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 woman even at her age now um however a little old for the role even at the time, it would have been a different way to cast her instead of it being like an aspiring actress, like it was in this movie. It would oh, have been yeah. somebody who was a you know formerly famous trying to reclaim their washed their fame up at actress, point. old yeah, at the ripe up. old age of thirty nine or something like that. Yeah, yeah, one of those stupid things. Like yeah, Hollywood is. Um, Mark Lucas and Ivana Milicevic uh, filmed a short movie in a movie sequence with from the theatrical release but appears in the deleted scenes of the dvd release oh. so the, there's extra like little scenes from it cool um the uh, the people who made this movie had several episodes from tales from the crypt like we've mentioned before uh report from the grave and only skin deep were some of the episodes they were involved in um which only skin deep that almost sounds like the name of the one that you mentioned i'm just wondering oh i wonder if that was it um you know what i'll google it uh if you want to continue <laughs> Okay. Um, in the original script, Melissa Marr, Brigitte Wilson had more dialogue than she did in the final script. In the final script, some of her lines actually went to Allie Larder. So that's the reason she's kind of like less in the movie than she was originally. Um, William Malone wrote over 20% of the film's final screenplay, although ultimately didn't get a, a writing credit for it. Uh, Chris Catan improvised some of his more comical moments in the film as he was encouraged to do so by the director. Um, Warner Brothers and Dark Castle Entertainment and an homage to the marketing gimmicks of William Castle Films uh, promoted this film by uh, providing movie theaters with scratch-off tickets that would be given to movie patrons. The scratch-off ticket would give each movie patron a chance to win prize money, just like the pictures in the movie. Yeah. Uh, the cash prize is totaled $1 million, and, and this includes uh, rentals from Blockbuster Video. 
Warner had intended to continue featuring such gimmicks for any further William Castle remakes, and 13 Ghosts was supposed to be released in 3D to continue the trend, but they were they are abandoned those those uh, ideas. Um, despite the fact that this was filmed in the standard spherical format, filmed in Panavision is listed in the end credits. Uh, the director was of the original film, which is what prompted him to direct the remake. And a spinning saw blade that was held in front of the camera was held in front of the camera lens to achieve the look of the fluttering uh, hallucinatory sequences that Price experiences in the saturation chamber. Oh, so that's they literally cool. just held like a you know had a saw blade you know like wicking by the camera to kind of make it look like it was spinning up. The room was. That's pretty cool. Um, skin deep. Only Skin Deep, which is the Tales from the Kip episode you were talking about. It is not mm-hmm. um, the one I was talking about. This one is described as a violent, hot-tempered man goes to a Halloween party hosted by his ex-wife where he meets a mysterious but beautiful masked woman who needs more help than he does. And, oh, my God, this masked woman looks creepy as fuck. And I guess <laughs> they had a comic of it, too. And, I mean, the comic, it just looks like a fucking woman with a zombie face. <laughs> But anyways, okay. so no, it's not the episode. I will find out what that episode was, and maybe we'll have to talk about it in the future, because that one, it, that's, it was very memorable for me to remember that shit. I mean, I didn't watch a lot of Tales from the Crypt because it scared me, honestly. <laughs> it was pretty good for the time. I mean, oh, I, yeah. I'll be honest with you, whenever I heard the music coming on, oh, I got God. to the Crypt Keeper, I usually just turned the episodes off. And I, was, I hate to be there about it, but I really did. Like, I mean, a lot of times... And also because I didn't want to get a lot of times those scenes had a lot of like, you know, sex or yeah. you know, tits hanging out. And I didn't want, you know, my mom to like, you know, throw me in the, yeah. <laughs> the you know, bridge because, you know, it was like, shouldn't be watching that crap. You know? Oh, so yeah. I my did. parents would have killed me. So. But um, I think this uh, it's interesting thing i mean it's to me this is a definite improvement over the original there's no way shape oh, yeah. or form about it i mean it, it definitely is and it just it, it it goes along to the point like what i was trying was thinking about is that instead of remaking movies that were you know all the time that were like already hits in their time you know i mean which i guess this one was but i mean just making like the bigger hits all the time like you know taking stephen king's it and remaking it over and over again which they're they're talking about doing a prequel now if you didn't know that to stephen king's head it's not based on anything that he's written it's just they're continuing the story but it's about pennywise back in like the 30s or some kind of bullshit so i'm i'm, I'm not gonna lie and say that i'm not interested i just kind of wish they would stop yeah i'm kind of the same way but I, I have a, i don't i'm afraid of them giving some kind of redemption story well they're yeah, they're they're going to do something that's going to be fucking awful to make it. You know, my biggest thing is instead of taking movies that were you know that are cult classics that you know a lot of people love, like they should never go. I mean, well, I I, sh- I probably shouldn't say never, but like John Carpenter's the thing is a remake of a this movie that was little you know not known uh, you know out there and it's almost perfect i mean by most horror fans you know definitions like it's the peak of like the prosthetic you know uh you know makeup effects instead of making going back and redoing that movie and like cgi which they kind of re they already did with the thing prequel but we'll forget that's out there instead of going back and doing that why don't they just take these shitty movies from the 60s and like It'll take a little bit of their plot and just like you know make them into better movies. Now. Yeah, like, improve them. See why that's not a thing. Yeah, they, they I agree with you. Cores, 
they have good cores in their stories, but like they didn't have the technology. I mean, when we get to 13 Ghosts, 13 Ghosts is completely different than the original oh, movie. Oh, like yes. It has no basis. And I mean, it's like the best way you can do a remake. It's like you take the core of like there being 13 Ghosts and like only seeing them with these special goggles. And that's literally all they took. And they changed everything about it. Um, the original 13 Ghosts legitimately has a fucking skeleton, probably a, a real one, possibly, <laughs> being strung around by fish fish wire. It, like, Well, it, the original 13, you, you might be thinking about this movie because this Maybe it was the, that one, the original, yeah. Yeah, the, the original ghost has got like the worst fucking like, you know, ghost, quote unquote, like effects I've ever seen in anything. And it's funny because... Like we watched the, the the devil and Daniel Webster, and the effects that they had when they brought the devil into that first scene in the barn when he meets you know <clears throat> uh, you know uh, Jebediah Stone. Like whenever he meets him in that first scene, like the way that they kind of like tra- made it translucent and kind of add all this stuff behind the imagery was really spooky. Yeah. The time. This movie was made like I want to say twenty to thirty years on from that uh, the original Thirteen Ghosts was. <laughs> And it, the effects are like, I mean, completely fucking ridiculous versus, you know, yeah, the, it's, they're there, but they're stupid as, I mean, they're just like, if you can imagine somebody who went to spirit Halloween, <laughs> put on like a, the, one of their shitty zombie costumes, their shittiest. And then like, you know, kind of half, you know, turned it transparent and pasted it onto a film. That's what it looks like. And there's an old 13 ghost. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! And then we have the uh, I don't know what year the newer thirteen ghosts came out. Two thousand one. Yeah, I think it was two thousand one. Yeah, yeah. They, we'll we'll address that when we get to the uh, to the episode. <clears throat> but it, it, but just these two movies, like watching them, or you know, recently, or these four movies, I should say. It just I don't. I, there's so many movies they could go back and just take like the core like story ideas yeah. that they had and like remake them and like you know change up everything else, and they and they could have great movies. And instead, we're getting like, well, like now, like at the, I'm not saying this won't be good because I actually read that Carpenter's going to be scoring it, which is going to be interesting. But they're remaking Firestarter. Oh Stephen yeah, King's Firestarter. It's got a new movie coming out here soon, and like, really? I mean, I don't. There's other movies they could have went back and redone. I'm sorry, I don't. Just I'm not. I don't. I don't know why they're doing those. Full but. disclosure: I saw. Have you seen the trailer for the newer Firestarter? I have. Yeah. Okay. I was interested, and it didn't. The trailer that I saw didn't have a ton of action in it at all. <laughs> but you know, it's there. And I'm like, okay, they, well, the maybe. one I saw was loaded with action. It was literally her setting people on fire left and right. So I'm just like, I mean, I'm going to watch it because I honestly, I don't. I mean, it's it's probably one that I. I mean, I don't know why I'm bitching about it. I I really don't like the first one that much. Anyways, yeah, I didn't like the first like, one that much. But it's one of those things where it's. I feel like it's even. I mean, and I say this, it's like 40 years on now. So <clears> I mean, it's probably due for a <laughs> you be remake, quiet. But <laughs> quit <laughs> but aging us. It just doesn't feel like it's that long. You yeah, know? it doesn't. Like, I mean, and they've got all these movies from the 60s that they could remake, and it's like, no, we're just going to, you know, they, they can stay back there. We don't want to touch them. So. I think the problem with horror films today, honestly, is people like me. I will throw myself out there because I am raising the next generation of horror enthusiasts, and they're witnessing, you know, these the, the, the old classics, and they like them a lot. 
but they weren't born in a time where these films were coming out. They're just, again, witnessing them kind of secondhand, like, oh, mom liked this film, dad liked this film. I'm watching, hey, this is cool. Now they get to see one of these films get made in their time era, and they know that mm-hmm. they like this character. They love Pennywise the Clown, and so they're going to want to see it, and that's what keeps encouraging this type of behavior. It's like, oh, the fan base is there. We've got these youngins that their parents are like, oh, you got to watch this. And yeah, even I'm going to want to see kind of what they do with it. I'm not going to lie. But then I'm going to be the one complaining. I'm going to be the old geezer complaining. And my kids are going to be like, that's pretty cool, you know? The the thing about that is, is that, I mean, and I, and I don't want to sound off like, uh, come off sound like a curmudgeon because I do like some of the remakes <clears throat> that they make. Yeah. But then you get Pet Cemetery. Uh, I liked Pet Cemetery. Oh, that, that, I liked that. it. <laughs> you liked the remake? I did. Oh, God, that was so bad. I didn't think it was <laughs> as so bad. bad as people were saying it was. Like, I'm not saying I like the original way better. I thought the original was way scarier, honestly. It was way scarier. The thing about the remake on that, and that's that's this this an extreme tangent, is the fact that they could have went a different route. It was almost like an alternate universe in my head canon because now the girls, you know, the one that gets hit instead yeah. of, you know, the little boy, you know, Gage. Did not see that happening at all. But they could have went in such a different direction. And I know you mentioned Critique Revolve, and I know Mike has this big thing about not judging a movie what it could have been but versus yeah. or a property, but what it you actually see, it, it I didn't like what I saw. <laughs> I don't I think they like did either. I, I think Mike had mentioned it a few times, and I'm sitting here like, you know what? You guys can shut the hell up. Um, but then again, I self-admittedly like horrible stuff. So shamelessly, you know, most of the time. Sometimes I like good things. Not not going to lie. Um, all right. Do we have anything else? Do we want to start getting into review? And do we want to answer some of those questions you asked me at the beginning? And I was like, I kind of want to wait. Uh, go ahead and, you know, if you can remember them, because I've kind of like forgotten, forgotten all of I've, them now. Well, I've kind of forgotten them too. I know you had asked me, uh, let me see if I can recall real quick. And The I said, one for sure is do you think that the schlock stuff, yes, if they, yeah. you know, if they should bring that back. That's so. the one that comes to mind. And I'm so fucking torn on that because it works. You know, you get a few... Uh, jump scares here but are they worth it like a jump scare is so cheap now it's a cheap thrill you almost want something that's long lasting and so i kind of feel like they need to shelve it and save it for a really necessary occasion where you need that and come up with something different out there what if you were watching the ring and like somebody came dressed out as the, you know, came dressed up as a little girl, like from like near the front of the theater, just like, you know, suddenly popped up, you know, I think that would add to the movie quite a bit. It might, but I'm going to see that and I'm going to enjoy it in the sense, but it's going to be more of like a humor kind of enjoyment. Like, oh shit, somebody, don't look at that kids, you know, I'm not going to take it as serious. Um, versus, I mean, on the flip side, if somebody dressed as that, and all of a sudden that person ended up right behind me and I turn to my side and I see it, I'm going to shit my pants. Okay. Well, I'll do you one better then. With today's technology, what if they were able to do holographic projections and have the, like, you know, kind of like what Disney does with the, you know, the, uh, you know, the Haunted Mansion and you look beside of you and it was projected beside of you at that point. You could see them. At that point, it's not schlocky anymore. 
<laughs> Schlocky is obvious, and like I, I, I think a projection would be really cool. Um, probably be scared at first, and then I kind of be like wanting to kind of touch to see, whoa, you know how how they do this. Um, <clears throat> I don't think that's schlocky. Schlocky to me is exactly what we talked about—a skeleton with some fish wire, you know, flying True. through the crowd, or or like whenever he did the tingler, where he had your seat kind of vibrate, like you were getting shocked, like in the movie, the tingler. I mean, that yeah. you know, something like that. Which, by the way, we have a theater out here now. Um, it's at our local mall that actually has seats like that now. They move with the film. The D box stuff, yeah. Yeah, so really I've cool. never. I mean, I've seen that before, like at you know, theme parks and things like that, but never an actual movie theater where the whole movie was like that I'm bound to throw up. But anyways, <clears throat> moving on, I think schlockiness does kind of need to be shelved for a little bit. I really feel, okay, Pet Cemetery, the new one, for instance, a lot of scenes where the cat jumped out of nowhere, loud cat noises, things like that. That was schlocky. They did it one too many times in Pet Cemetery, but once or twice really was necessary. Well, I'm not talking about, I'm not really, I mean, meaning in the movies, because they're going to do yeah. that shit in the movies regardless. Oh, but you mean outside of? Like, yeah, like you're in the theater and the theater does it, you know, like you're, you know, you're uh, sitting. No, in the theater, I don't want it to go away. I mean, I've never actually experienced it, so I want to experience it at least once. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I would, would bring this back because it's not out there, and I would just like to see something like this one time, you know, I think it would add to the experience. Yeah. Because really, I mean, if you're going to a movie theater nowadays with all the streaming options, like, why not do something like this? Yeah, like get the that. people back in the theaters. I mean, they're all struggling, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's. it's not like you're, I mean, you, if you can watch it at home, like, I mean, you know, you're, you're missing all that stuff anyways. But if you can add the extra little, you know, thing to make the memory, you know, the theatrical experience uh, memory just a little bit stronger than, you know, Go ahead and do it. I th- I say. But. Yeah. No. Outside in in films, it needs to stop because they still have it. Um, I do remember another question that I, that I was going to ask, and you had me table it. Uh, do you think this was the at least the original was a rip off of the Haunting of Hill House? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, maybe not so much a rip off, but it definitely inspired by. Actually, no. Fuck it. It's a rip off. It's a ripoff. It's a ripoff, 100%. I mean, even if we look at, and well, now that starts to bring us to, what about 13 Ghosts? Is that a ripoff of these films or inspired by? At minimum, it's inspired by. Yeah, I mean, I don't, what, I mean, 13 Ghosts is kind of an interesting story, and we'll get into that. I don't know where he came up with that one from, but I'm sure, like, it, but I mean, the fact that he admits to reading Shirley Jackson's novel and then coming up with the idea for the script for this. Yeah. He yeah, it's a it's a rip off. And just for reference, 13 Ghosts, the 1960 film. Yeah. One year after House on Haunted Hill. <laughs> so and look, I'm not even going to pretend that I don't appreciate, you know, that these films were made and what they've kind of inspired to these days. You know, they're they're there, so I'm not going to sit here and hate on them, but yeah, 100%. I, I I didn't want to answer because I was like, I, I want to I want to discuss the film first and kind of go through the differences of each one. Um, but yeah, and then it's so funny because, hold on. So we have House on Haunted Hill, which was 1999. And then we have 13 Ghosts, the newer one, 2001. Literally, right back to back, just like in the old days. 
Yeah, they the, these and it's funny they all came <clears> in <throat> and the, the haunting came out the I want to feel I want to say the same exact year or the year after as the original House on Haunted Hill. So like the fact that the haunting and the House on Haunted Hill remakes both came out the same year was kind of funny too. It's yeah, like they, the haunting they was 1963, cycles. but the newer one was also 1999. Um, yeah, <laughs> guys. You got to come up with some better ideas. <laughs> well, it's one of those things where if a movie becomes popular, knockoffs, it's going to happen. I mean, yeah. it's just going it, like when Jaws came out, there was like a million, like, you know, shark or, you know, octopus or whatever attacking, you know, people, you know, type movies that came out around that time period. And it's just, it, it's whatever makes the most money. You know, yeah. they, there's a bunch of copycats. You know what? And look at here. Here's what I'll throw out too. Now, if you're going to bring back, a haunting movie of sorts, like in this case, we're talking about three movies back to back in the 50s and 60s, as well as the 90s and 2000s, okay? Early 2000s, I should say. Fine. But if you're going to remake a film, one, you better know that maybe there's another person behind that's going to remake another one very similar to it. You better make sure yours is so goddamn good that that next film that comes out is at minimum going to have to compare to it or won't be able to top what you've done. And that's hard to do. I'm not a filmmaker. I would never in my lifetime be able to do that. But now we're going to have to compare another movie on the next episode. And 100% we're going to be looking back on this film and comparing the two and saying, this is what this film could have done. This is what this film didn't do. We shouldn't be doing that. But that's what we're going to be doing as viewers. And then we're going to have to make a comparison on which one was better. And I can already think in my head, which one was better? They pulled out more of the stops than the other film did. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to leave it at that because I don't want to go too far into that. We should probably rate this film. Um, we gave the original, we both gave the original a two out of five on the Rotting Corpses scale. Mm-hmm. Do you, you go first on this one since I went first on the older. Um, the 1999 film, <clears> I'm <throat> going to surprisingly give it a four out of five. Wow. And my reason. Yeah, I'm going to give you the reason why I had fun watching this. This is one of those movies that is not a smart watch. It's not, <laughs> you know, it's, it, you're not watching it for, you know, like I was talking about with You Won't Be Alone. You're not sitting there, like, you know, contemplating the nature of, you know, man and, uh, you know, or men and women and all that. No, this is just a goofy, you know, like music video type situation um, with a lot of schlocky stuff in it and, uh, it's, it's just, it's fun to watch. I mean, like the music and, you know, and I, and I say that I <clears throat> don't remember liking it originally upon when we watched it in the theater back in the day. Like, I don't remember what liking it that well. And this movie has grown on me. So, I mean, of the, the movies that came out in the late nine, I actually enjoy watching this one quite a bit more than a lot of the other ones that came out around that time. So that's four out of five for me. Uh, well, I'm going to surprise you and give this one a three out of five. <laughs> With, I, that doesn't surprise me because I kind of felt like you were going that way with all your negatives because you usually don't yeah. like bash on a movie as much as you did with this one. So, um, Because I loved this film when it first came out. <laughs> I thought it was great. And that's because I probably missed a lot of it from closing my eyes. And that's, I don't know, a film that'll make me close my eyes is pretty fucking fun. I'm going to create some scary shit in my head. I've mentioned that a few times. Um, this time I watched it completely and I was like, I... Missed a lot of the stuff. There were, I did not like the music at all. I very much, and I never noticed music in films, but I thought some of it was 
<clears throat> it was fun music in the terms of it was very Halloween soundtrack, mm-hmm. you know, type of music. Um, it sounded cheesy. Some of it was a little loud in certain areas. Um, it, it, it had that, like I said, it had the MTV vibe. I mean, it really did. Yeah. It was just like, you know, grunge, like horror-esque music playing in the background. It wasn't anything classical or anything like that. Well, there was some classic pipe organ music, which was really, mm-hmm. <laughs> really uh, cheesy haunted house Not a great fit, but it, like, I don't know. Again, super loud. I'm like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. A little obvious there. Um, and, and that's the thing for our listeners. Anytime that there's a score that really stands out, like, you know, of course, Beetlejuice will, you know, <clears> I'll be happy to discuss it. But if it just doesn't stand out, like, I don't have a lot to say about it. Then, like, these two movies, the, the main theme and the original one is the only thing that stood out. The music is they were, like, rolling up to the main yes. you know, house. And then in this one, it's the same thing, except it was an IP in this case. It was, uh, you know, they took a, an established artist, Marilyn Manson, singing over a remake song, which is funny. It's a remake with a remake song is, is like its basis. But I mean, you know, he took that, you know, classic song, remade it into the kind of that creepier version. And it's what stood out about this as far as the soundtrack goes to me. Nothing else really did. Yeah. This one tried to keep the uh, momentum of the last film where kind of in the beginning they had the spooky sounds, the chains, the moans, but it was really loud. It's, uh, I mentioned already, it showed up out of nowhere and then just uh, music just stopped. Somebody hit pause <laughs> on the soundtrack and it, then it was just done and it was really horribly done. So I did not like the soundtrack behind this film too much. Yes, the Marilyn Manson being the exception. Um, I, a lot of things, obviously, I did not like the, uh, the effects in the film. Uh, the storyline no one had like a cohesive storyline really in fact some people didn't have a storyline at all they were just there they were just characters in a film yeah i mean we, we discussed in the trivia but uh Brigitte wilson's character lost a lot of her personalization in the movie mm-hmm. um Allie larder was the only one who really had like any kind <clears> of an arc in the movie yeah which and she's a main character Tay Diggs really didn't either, to be honest with you. I mean, like, if you go back and look at, like, where he started and where he ended up, like, he didn't really evolve as a character one way or the shape or form, you know. Like, yeah. it was just, he was just kind of the same person throughout. Yeah, they did kind of a piss-poor job with that. So, really, what saves this movie for me is the ending. And you didn't even like the ending as much as I did. For me, <laughs> the ending was everything. I A movie that ends that good and that memorable, I have to give it some kind of credit. Because, yeah, it might have been stupid, but it really brought something out at me in the end every time I've watched it. Again, was never able to forget the ending other than the fact that I swapped two characters. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what makes it – that's what brings it up to a three because otherwise it probably would have been a two for me. And see, uh, I think it's the, the the unfair comparison to, you know, just like I said, um, from dusk till dawn because <clears> – <throat> That scene where it just flips around, shows that Aztec temple, yeah. and it starts playing dark nights, you know, like yeah. the music with it was per. Like, I mean, and then like so good. this one just, you know, just, you know, they were on top of the roof and it just kind of cuts away and I think plays some more Marilyn Manson. And I'm just kind of like, eh, you know, whatever. It's, it's what it is. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, definitely a film you have to watch. I mean, I would still recommend the old and the new. Nothing like one of these classics sometimes. Yeah, you might not be the greatest to watch. We're not giving it the best review, but you really should. You really should take the time to see the two and make your own kind of judgment or critique on it, on what you think of it. We're just two individuals that have our own thoughts on it. 
I would recommend the original with the riff tracks. Oh, 100%. I really would. It's hilarious. Hey, and in the vampire season, I have to say I definitely recommend the riff tracks version of uh, Twilight. I've never watched Twilight. I have watched Twilight with riff tracks, and I cannot think of any other way. That's probably if. I don't know if you're going to make me cover that, but if we do, that's <clears> the only way I'm going to watch it. So oh, I'm just... not going to make you watch Twilight. But yeah, we could watch one of the Twilight Rift tracks. That was so fucking funny. It was the, I had the best time. And I don't know why I don't watch more Rift tracks, but I must have been sick in bed or something like I should be today. And I want to go back. I want to go back now and watch their <clears> version of 13 Ghosts. Because, or uh, wait a minute, I think that the people have mentioned they should do 13 Ghosts. And they said, and I think they, even the Rift Tracks guy said that movie is so bad that they're not going to do that one. They so. did one of the haunted films. I know they did. Um, and, and I'll I'll research that because we can always, you know, kind of do a quick, um, <laughs> you know, a quick review of that. Um, the haunting. Maybe it wasn't the haunting, but I don't know. I'm googling it right now, and I am bonking my mic, and I'm gonna. Hurt myself. Uh, Rift Trucks did House on Haunted Hill. Yeah. I'm not oh, sure which House one, though. Hill. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Oh, we'll, we'll look into that a little bit more. So, uh, first um, one, two out of five for the original, um, and three and four out of five for mm-hmm. the, the newer version. What are we doing that next? A, what are we doing next? Well, uh, that depends. I mean, technically April's going to be gone, but we've discussed doing the Ghostbusters at some point in the near future, which is still kind of an April Fool's type thing. Mm-hmm. But I almost feel like we should do just wrap up the William Castle, Dark Castle cycle here and, and finish up 13 Ghosts. Oh, I've been dying to do that one. Have I'll we decided what our October one is going to be? Our Halloween spectacular? The Halloween episode? Yeah, or have we have we determined that yet? Because there's so many haunted films and ghost films to watch. I'm pretty sure that at least during one part of October, we're going to have uh, Sleepy Hollow. Oh, yeah. And, okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a class. It's like one <clears throat> of the first major American novels. I mean, you or at least stories. You can't like not get, you know, uh, Washington Irving's classic, uh, you know, it's due whenever it comes stories. So. Oh, we'll have to do the Disney and the uh, uh, yes. Tim Burton. The Burton version and the Disney version for yep. sure. And then there was um, there was another movie I had in mind but I'd have to go back and think about it because it, it just made sense for like one of the movies I thought about and I, I might have to do this is like a uh, the bees because I think we're going to have so <clears> many <throat> options for Halloween is uh, Lady in White. Okay. It's a very it's it's a it's not a very well known and it might have been like a tv movie but it's like it was in the 80s and it's like a classic ghost story of like this kid sees like this ghost girl and he has to solve her murder so yeah. i think that would be a good one to 1988 cover. yeah and uh it's set during halloween so that's three it's you know that that comes to mind for halloween season so oh, it looks pretty cool anyhow all right, well, not much for me to plug. I mean, the typical blue-collar BS is on every Friday. Hot Mess Express returns whenever the hell they want to return. Uh, <laughs> so there's really nothing going on there. I don't ever make any explanations why we're gone. We do a show whenever the hell we want to. We have no schedule. My husband hates it. Um, you can try to catch an episode of Death Holler at least once a month um, if we're able to pull that together. you got to remember, we are two people in different states working with each other's schedules. It is baseball season. La Llorena is trying to wrangle the souls of those children at the baseball field. 
and summer's coming up, so a lot more vacation time, too, between the two of us. So Maybe you. I don't have any vacations planned. Uh, AV, <laughs> she she was my vacation for the year with Las Vegas. We don't we, we don't get out too much. We're trying to recover uh, from that vacation and uh, save up for, I know the hubs and I are eventually going to want to go to Hawaii, but AV and I are planning on going to Salem, Massachusetts during spooky season. And that is literally two years away. So you won't be hearing about that anytime soon, but we are so excited about that. So anyways, yeah, that being said, um, just uh, like Reverend said earlier, uh, rate and review, like, subscribe, and share. Spotify, you can now, as long as you listen to an episode or two on Spotify, you can give us a rating there, which is pretty cool. And we'd appreciate anything you could do to help us out. Absolutely. And with that, peace be with you. And with your spirit.